Hello and welcome to another episode of Ideas Don't Bleed, a comics podcast presented by Ashcan Press and featuring Matthew Rosenberg and the Supple Boys, Ethan S. Parker and Griffin Sheridan. This is part two of Matt's discussion with Ethan S. Parker and Griffin Sheridan. We hope you enjoy. I want to go back to sort of the the, the themes of the book because the book, it's fascinating to me. You do something that I think, um, that I love very much in a book and I think is very good. Um, I, I love very much in, in storytelling and I feel like comics for the most part shy away from this a lot, which is tone shifting back and forth. Um, obviously horror has to start not horrific and get horrific, right. but mm-hmm. the ability to come back from that and pull it back. And like, that's not just in horror. I think in, in all genres, like I, I think you're best served from being able to, you know, have a, have a different mood palette across the book and you guys Mm -hmm. do have a very fun very cute (laughs) charming world in issue one and it and it's devastating you you, it gets to a devastating place and then issue two shifts gears to this very different like it's somber Mm. but it's this very different thing and then it gets fucking super fun and like (laughs) um Uh, like how do you balance that like how when you guys set out to do this was that intentional is that something Mm. that you were like this needs to keep people on their toes like do you feel like one undercuts the other do you feel like you're undercutting the horror by having humor in it do you feel like Mm. you're undercutting the like sweet elements by being horrifying like where do you guys how did you set out to do that and like where did you land on it and is that difficult i think it's all very much like in the DNA of it, because like the like the first stuff we talked about, uh, for people that haven't read the the first issue yet, like it's like it, there are, there are some full pages that are crayon drawings that are cute and fun, but there's really weird, spooky shit happening in them, and that was like the original idea was like those two things clashing, like how weird that is of like um, if you can build up that the cute and fun atmosphere, and then you put something in it that's not just scary but it's sort of like that kind of unimaginable horror of just like what is happening here it it feels wrong like that those two flavors will really complement each other Mm -hmm. and that's ended up being the guiding principle of the book is just cranking up both directions as much as we can where it's like we're gonna swing from like issue one starts with something pretty horrifying and then the next page is like some really colorful animals like of cartoon yeah. animals and like and that's that that's sort of the experiment we're doing with the whole thing is like can we keep bouncing from the most fun stuff we can think of that is the most like charming to like the most fucked up stuff that we can come mm-hmm. up with and like and like never really let anybody get comfortable as soon as you're having a great time as soon as you're loving the characters yeah. you're worried like and, and and vice versa like so it's yeah, I, I and I don't know, Griffin. Like, did you did you ever worry about it undercutting the tension of the the horror? No, because I think we were always talking about how like 
there's a duality that's been present in the entirety of the of making the book and in the book itself of like it's horror and fantasy and it's yeah. fun and spooky uh and so like when we were talking about the tone of the book it was i think already decided that like we're gonna bounce back and forth like in every like in as many ways possible we're going to bounce back and forth between genre and tone and Mm -hmm. like you know and then bob does that really well in like the color palettes from scene to scene he he's doing a lot of the legwork on making sure those uh transitions feel really nice and Mm -hmm. i when we were trying to figure out the flavor of horror that we wanted you know we immediately turned to all the stuff that we like uh and of course, we're huge Sam Raimi fans. We love Evil Dead. Mm. You're we just talking about it earlier uh, today when we were talking about a different project that we might be doing uh, about the tone of that. And I'm just like, well, it's Evil Dead. You know, it's it's somehow you can do this fucking weird and bizarre <laughs> and upsetting thing, but also it's hilarious yeah, and right. it can have fun. And I don't know if if exactly we're going for an Evil Dead Sam Raimi flavor in uh kill your darlings specifically mm-hmm. but it was an admiration of that and uh and a tr- trying to do something like that i think yeah we keep having it, conversations about earnestness like like we 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 like the idea like th- th- there's a real lack of earnestness in in like in storytelling right now and like, sure. like there's like a real like self-aware kind of cynicism that you can never really do anything too silly or too goofy or anything without kind of making a like a snarky kind of comment about it or whatever but like yeah it's like we're trying to do the stuff that we love and like we love things that are scary and have you worry about the characters and stuff but we also love just like goofy shit and like and like people you know characters that are unapologetically like passionate and uh and and yeah silly and fun um and if that's all in there it's like the flavors are just popping i think when it's in there together Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, along the same lines i'm sort of wondering about you know, I, I know you guys love fantasy stuff and, mm-hmm. and fantasy is obviously very popular genre mm-hmm. in some ways. And, and in comics, it, there's always sort of a, a, a long history of fantasy being being a sort of staple of, of the medium. Yeah. The you guys do a thing where you're bouncing back and forth between a, a fantasy world and a, and a real world. Mm-hmm. You're actually bouncing for back and forth between more than that, but like just a folk without giving too much away, like yeah, yeah. you're down, you're, you're going back and forth between Rose's imagination and her reality. Mm-hmm. How, how much it seems to me like you hit a really good balance of, of, the time spent in the fantasy world versus the the real world because mm. you don't want you want to leave people wanting more of the fantasy world you want mm-hmm. the good stuff and so that when it hits it's very special and and you end up with this you know little girl's reality which is less less fun and less i, I idyllic as it were mm-hmm. even though the mm-hmm. fantasy world is full of war and stuff it's a very <laughs> cute idealized <laughs> version of war um <laughs> how did you find balancing that? Like, was there a point where you were ever like, should this just be a fantasy book? Like, should this just be mm. this? Like how, how do you know when to do, when to give the audience enough of the fun stuff and when to pull it back? I mean, it's sort of the same question, but like from a right. spe- more specifically, the fantasy angle. Yeah, there have been, we've been working on the book for so long now. 
so long now. Like three and years? Three, it's coming up on like three. It'll be like pretty on the dot three years, I think, when mm-hmm. the book actually comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, go pre-order it. I don't know what the diamond code is. Wait. I don't know when it comes out yet. We're recording this like a month before the previews uh, mm-hmm. hit, but um, you should do that. Um, and so because of that, there have been many things that have come along that in some form or fashion have been a little evocative of what we're doing in the book, uh, whether that is a tonal thing or a narrative thing. Um, there is... There have been a couple of a handful of things, uh, and Rosenberg, we've come to you with a couple of them that are just like, oh no, it's the same. And then you're like, shut the fuck up, it's not the same. Uh, but also in that course, there have been many times where it's like, okay, well, maybe we should pivot this. Maybe we should mm-hmm. really go all in on mm-hmm. the horror, or maybe we should go all in on the fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and there, especially me, Ethan will. <laughs> uh contested this that like there have been a number of times where i'm like fuck it we're gonna smash it together with the the other idea that we've got let's just take it in a whole new direction <laughs> yeah, we've been yeah, working yeah. on it for so long that like our hands have I hovered was, like, above the big red button many times like yeah, it's sure. just like on we've gone creative uh creatively stir crazy mm-hmm. uh on it a lot there have been many many moments of that and so there yes there have been many times where we're like okay we're gonna try and Let's just go all in on the fantasy shit. Let's build the world. Let's build the lore. We're going to fucking explain everything. Uh, Or other times we're like, what if we barely touch that shit? And it's just a horror book uh, with some weird fantasy like little elements in it. Uh, But every time that we consider doing that, we're just like, no, it's more fun. Like we just always end up coming back around to it being more fun when both things are there at the same time, because that's where the challenge lies is, Mm -hmm. is the balance of the genres and the tones. Uh, And also taking these characters that we're trying to have, like the, the narrative uh, part of that and the tonal part of that is one thing, but then also trying to write the characters in a way that like they can exist in both of those genres and tones and worlds at the mm-hmm. same time um, has been has been tricky. Uh, so yes, there have been plenty of times where we thought about going all in on fantasy, but uh, it's just less fun. It's less interesting, I think. If, if we yeah. were going to do a, a book that's like, it is straight up this genre, um, I think we'd really have to crack down on the the narrative and the characters to make it something special where here we were like let's do let's do something a little bit more i think when you look at the narrative in a linear fashion it is fairly straightforward Mm -hmm. but we've Mm -hmm. mixed all the elements around uh in such a way that hopefully it's a lot more interesting to read it's a bit it's a bit non-linear yeah uh it's quite non-linear <laughs> <I would say. laughs> uh but i also think it's just really important to what we're trying to do with the main character that she's like from our world like there this is not a kid's book right like at yeah. all like it's very upsetting in many areas but i do sort of keep in mind and i don't know if we've really talked about this but i do keep in mind that like if i when i was 14 uh you know snuck away to a corner of the library with this or something and i and like and i read it like there are things that i want i would want my younger self to take away from this sure. yeah. and there are feelings that i want my younger i would want my younger self to 
to have from this. Um, and that's the sort of thing that I, that I want to write this for. Um, and to do that, she needs to be from our world, but she needs to be taken, you know, taken somewhere else and to see some things and then, you know, and come back a different person. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I just think that's, I think that's the most interesting approach. Obviously, obviously you guys are huge comic book fans and, and wrote this and as a comic and, and it's a, you know, Mm. you can feel the love of the medium throughout it. But I will say as someone who's written a lot of comics with um, kids as the lead that are Mm. not kids comics. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, you guys are going to have really fun (laughs) Hollywood meetings. They really, (laughs) they really are just like, yeah, you can't Uh do this to children in a movie. And you're kind of like, yeah, but, and they're like, no, you can't fucking do that this is not okay i get that a lot of like we can't do this thing which is um always funny to me and uh sort of another reason that i love comics so much because i end up in these meetings where people are like yeah that can't happen and you're just like we had no problem with it and uh you know it's i just uh, love like that notion of like there can't be adult stories about children as if there aren't you know plenty and plenty of children's stories that are about adults it's just like what is this weird separation that we have to do like you can't when did it happen because that was not the case in the 80s it's it's super Uh, it's super interesting also because everyone everyone i think who who uh, a lot of the smart people you talk to will always tell you like kids read up kids Mm, don't read about Eight-year-olds don't read about eight-year-olds. Eight-year-olds read about 12-year-olds. And 12-year-olds don't read about 12-year-olds. They read about 16-year-olds. And then you're like, who the fuck reads about 12-year-olds? Like, who, you mm-hmm. know, like, who reads about the eight-year-olds then? Like, right. it, it, that's not a thing. And, like, it, it's such a funny thing because, like, no one is really sure what to give anyone. And everyone has this math and these theories. And, like, mm-hmm. you go to different genres and different mediums. And, like, those rules get twisted and changed. And then someone comes along and fucks it all up. And it's a huge mm-hmm. success. And then everyone like recontextualizes when right. we were, when we were pitching, we can never go home for TV stuff. People like we had a meeting where people are like, nobody wants like fucked up teenagers running around. And we were like, they don't. And they were like, no. And then we were like, uh, and then we sat for four years through like, they, the big complaints were like, nobody wants stuff set in the eighties and no one wants fucked up teenagers <laughs> running around. And we okay. sat through four years of just being like, Oh my God, like stranger things and deadly class mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it. And just like over and over being like, we had so many meetings where people are like, nobody wants this thing. Right. And then someone didn't say that and they made it and it made them a ton of money. Um, it's insane. But I did, I did. I was super uh, amused reading this, just thinking, because I've been on a bunch of Hollywood calls lately. And I was right. just like, I was like, oh, man, you guys are going to get scolded over and over. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like, it's lovingly scolded. Like, we love this. This is amazing. Right. You can't do it, but we love right. it. And it's going to I be mean, great. listen, while I do think that's ridiculous, I had never thought about it before. Imagining an eight-year-old or eight-year-old looking actor doing what oh, happens yeah. in the first issue of this book is a little, <laughs> yeah. it is a little daunting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, you know, we, we punch a four-year, we punch a 12-year-old in the face, a grown man punch a 12-year-old <laughs> in the face in the first issue of Four Kids Walking the Bank. And like, I don't know how many studio executives just closed the book right there, but the one, mm-hmm. but a lot of them who didn't got on the call and were like, absolutely no. fucking not gentlemen no. <laughs> like i don't know this, have to uh, cut the kid punch yeah mm-hmm. we 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 just talked about evil dead a, a minute ago mm-hmm. as we're recording this there was a new evil dead movie that opened last weekend uh and that's got 
a a pretty sure. young actor going through a lot of like crazy sort of yeah. disgusting shit. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think the rules are rules. I think people just get more traumatizing kids in movies. Uh, you know, the funny thing to me always <laughs> also is like people, you know, uh, and and I I I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, the today's kids need to toughen up. When I was a right. kid, like you know, we used to put you in a barrel full of nails and roll you down a hill, and I turned out fine. <laughs> like I don't I don't believe that mentality, but I do think about like the things I loved as a kid. And they were, I'm not exclusively, but like so many of them were fucking scary and like yeah. or not, or just like had those scary things. And I go back to like Pinocchio and it's like, Pinocchio is a super upsetting film, like, mm-hmm. Pinoc- but it's for kids and kids love it. And I loved it, but like, it made me cry. And it like, right. you mm-hmm. know, I, and like, you know, I'm sure a psychoanalyst would sit here and be like, well, all these problems you have are because you watched Pinocchio. But like, you know, Bambi's mother getting shot. And I think there's so much stuff in media for for kids now that like they take that stuff out. And I don't want to say that like that's a mistake to take it out or that's good. I'm like, I'm not a parent and I'm not a kid. So I I, I have no no dog in the fight per se. But I well, do when something think... freaks you out in something when you see it as a kid, like that only drives the stakes up like infinitely. And For it makes sure. and a kid will never forget it. And like that's kind of why I think about the young me reading the book thing is I'm just like, man, I think that I like I, I but you know, when that when I feel like we get that right, it's like this would be the book to me yeah. as a oh, kid. Yeah, yeah. You know what 100%. I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Cause I mean, it's like, cause I would be, I would be tense. Like I would, yeah. I would need to know what happens. Yeah. 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 Like she's a, Rose is a great character and you, you see yourself in her and it goes bad and you're just yeah. like, I don't know. That stuff was very exciting to me always. And very like drew me in and, and you know, like I, I saw someone the other day talking about seeing Beetlejuice way too young. And I was like, <laughs> I think you're supposed to see Beetlejuice way too young. I think right. you're supposed to see Beetlejuice when the scary stuff is scary. Like it works mm-hmm. best when it's just like, it's funny and it's cool and there's fun dead people, but also holy shit. Like this is yeah. fucking horrifying in places. Like <laughs> uh, lady smoking I, and it's coming out her neck and stuff. It's just like, oh, it's fucking <laughs> so revolting and freaky and great. And like, I love it because of that. You felt like mm-hmm. you were seeing things you weren't supposed to. And I think that's important for a kid like, Totally. that's what being a kid is is discovering things and i think you guys yeah. capture that so well with rose that she is she's a kid that, who's seen things she's not supposed to she's see. a she's kid who's seen young. things she's yeah. not supposed to and it yeah. and it has an effect and it's right. and it's it's she's seen too much and it's yeah it's fascinating i think i think you do it really well and i i do I yeah. you know we stumbled into the sort of talk about what's appropriate for kids and and you think about it as a kid's book but i couldn't help but think about like what oh, wow. i would think about as a kid reading yeah. this and like this is exactly the kind of thing that I would love, you know? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I guess another question I have is like, um, obviously it's a, it's a love letter to fantasy and horror and comics and all Mm. that, but also uh, the book is about imagination in some way. Right. Um, And and she exists in imaginary world and she creates this world. And um, I can't help, but sort of draw parables just because of where you are in your careers that you're, Mm -hmm new creators and like there's a sort of a a love a a love of imagination and like uh, i know for me when i started making comics like it just felt like things were coming out of my head onto a page and it's really a -hmm. crazy experience of just like you know like especially as someone who can't draw just being like i thought of a thing and i sent it to a guy sent it to a person and a week later 
it's magic back and i'm seeing yeah. it it feels magical it feels like your imagination come to life like totally mm-hmm. that metaphor is very much in the book and so i'm mm-hmm. i'm wondering actually from the time you conceived the book which has this real sort of sweet but cautionary feeling about imagination mm-hmm. to actually the process of making a book and the stresses of that and mm-hmm. the, the things has your perspective on what that what the world of imagination should be has that shifted while you make the book is it changing i have so many thoughts about this do you want to go first <laughs> i think it's a really great question yeah it really i is. think that you kind of hit the nail on the head because there yeah. have been a number of times where that we've been working on it and then we take a step back and we go this is kind of about us making a comic book yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. right like it yeah. does kind of feel like it is this story about um trying to like yeah create something and then trying to give everything you have to that thing and to defend it and uh make sure that it survives and is the the thing that you that you have in your mind and everything and that that thing that you can escape to that other people can escape to whatever it is or or can get something from and uh but then the the sort of like cautionary side of it is like yeah that's a double-edged sword though because like creating something takes a lot of time and energy and Mm. it is a very vulnerable uh process um or at least it i don't know if i would say that it has to be or that it should be just that it can be at the very least Mm -hmm. um and i I think mostly i just haven't made enough stuff to to know if that's like necessary and i know that there's a lot of dog shit out there to know that maybe somebody didn't put their all into that one um (laughs) but uh i think that fucking newburn (laughs) god damn newburn dude uh art's great yeah, I mean, yeah, I buy every issue for the art. Um, <laughs> covers are great. Uh, uh, the book is called Kill Your Darlings as well. Right. And that yeah. has been like sort of the process, the name of the game, you know, with us really becoming writers, like sort of more formally and officially mm-hmm. and learning how to uh, really sit down and write comics but also how to write comics together and <laughs> learning our creative process as a duo and which has been really hard for the record like like that yeah that has been uh, formulating over the course of the whole thing and it's like yes only just like literally to really i was together. gonna say like, yeah. it's like two, two months ago i think we finally cracked it and the the melding of minds has we've like never fought really taken like we place. fought once we started writing this book uh, oh yeah oh yeah. no like there was never an instance where we needed to or or anything like that but mm-hmm. we have such different uh, uh styles and approaches mm-hmm. and sure. again talking about the duality of the book i think that was sort of like also born out of the fact that ethan and i are really different storytellers right. but the book's called kill your darlings and so part of it too is like learning what to let go of right and i think rose has to deal with that in a couple of different ways and for us making the book i mean the book has gone through so many different iterations and it has took the killing of many darlings to get us to this point and Mm -hmm. so that being the sort of formative lesson of this first book that we've Mm -hmm. done together i think is really fitting and uh lines up quite well thematically with what happens in the book Mm. you're talking about us like figuring out like our like one-liner things that we would say in our interviews and stuff and it's like 
I, I thankfully, I think I know, like, in terms of like saying what the book is about, like thematically, like you were talking about it being about mental illness and stuff. And it is that stuff is in there. And it very much like started that way, especially. Mm -hmm. But I think now at this point, now that we're getting towards the finishing it, like we're, you know, we're in the back part of it, finishing it up and, and like tying everything into a bow thematically. And it's, to me, I think it's even more about like your inner child and if your inner child can survive the things that life throws at it because it's mm -hmm. like i think griffin and i both grew up a little bit too young maybe and and we've as everybody has we've been through some really dark shit especially while working on this book and and so the question of like you know can we go these three years and keep the energy up and keep the you know work on the same thing for that long and keep caring about it and and do the best that we can with it that's kind of what the book is dealing with too is like can you can you go through all of this the literal worst things imaginable the worst things that two guys could think of uh and still come out with that spark in you can you still can your inner child live on till you know the final issue um yeah and uh and and if so why um and and uh yeah i hope that we can i hope we can answer that in a way that rings true because um i think we've been learning that lesson um and it's been it's been really special it doesn't just feel like we're just writing a thing because we need to write our first thing it feels like it has been so emblematic of everything that has led up to it <laughs> crazy mm -hmm. enough um mm -hmm. so yeah i'm really proud of that i feel like this is a question I, I don't I wouldn't get to ask other people. My my question is is sort of the the I'm fascinated by having your first thing be published mm -hmm. only mm -hmm. because and I know this isn't the comics comics is always changing and evolving and I think people sort of get a spotlight on them younger now and um but the my I spent quite a few years making pitches, mm -hmm. uh, getting art, putting the other pitches, sending them out to, you know, a dozen editors, whatever, right. getting getting 11 no responses and a like not for us. Mm -hmm. And um, I look back at those pitches now and and they're they're pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> like like the art's uh -huh. good art's good for the most part you know like art, mm -hmm. you know the stuff that isn't me the people who knew what they were doing knew what they were doing and i mm -hmm. did not mm -hmm. and uh your book feels very confident your book feels mm -hmm. very assured in your writing you feel very like you know what you're doing and obviously the hope is that you're always growing and evolving as artists right. and always changing but how confident did you feel like was there a mm -hmm. stage fright of being like well i guess our first fucking pitched book is our first published book and like people are just going to read the first thing do you feel nervous about that and also right. like how how did you do you feel like you found your voices in this do you feel like you know who you are as a writer going in do you feel like you're still mm -hmm. learning that i well we've had we've had people kind of allude to the fact that they do not pity us or, or that they do they do pity us, do that we're that that it's like an, an not enviable situation to to kick off with an image thing because it's like sure. everything that you are trying to do is on the biggest stage that you can be on mm -hmm. in comics as far as doing this kind of thing um and i i remember donny kate saying to us as well like uh, prior to it being approved at image uh because like we didn't just like 
we didn't just like slide in like we did pitch it to image and like had to wait to find out and everything sure. and like and um and i remember him being like if 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 it's that image like you got to understand that like with an image thing you got to like show up too bad like you yeah. have to like be ready for that um and we were just kind of like okay uh, yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. like and i think like there have been moments where we've kind of gotten on the phone and are like like but but yeah. like there's a level to yeah. which we can't look at that like we can't sure. like there's a level to which we have to just be like we're just doing it like we're just we're gonna make it mm-hmm. um this is where it's happening so we have to do it um yeah thankfully the only you know is to never like cut a corner like the only solution is to be like if this thing takes all day then we just take all fucking day to finish what we're doing like yeah mm-hmm. uh to just make sure we put in the hours for it yeah, that that call with Johnny where he was like, "You gotta fucking show up." Are you sure you want it? Are you sure you want it to be at Image? And I remember right, yeah, there yeah, was yeah, a point yeah. where I was like, oh, "I don't know, man." Uh, yeah. And there was there was a point because that the you know the story has just gone back and forth so much because we are mm-hmm. so I think quickly growing, especially like once once Bob came on board and we started like actually making the book, like we basically had to throw out everything and start over at that point not necessarily mm-hmm. just like a like a story-wise or anything but like uh process it was like a different and... phase it had a different title like bob uh-huh. said on a yeah. stream the other day that he was like yeah when i get a script from them it's like draft eight or nine and like the thing of the thing about that is, is there were also like six drafts under the other title like it's uh-huh. like it, yeah it's like gone through these different lives yeah yeah and looking back at those early drafts and looking back at those early uh versions of the pitch document um have been relieving and nerve-wracking because it's Mm -hmm. it's relieving because i'm like oh this is not great uh and i'm like well that means that we're improving um so that's good uh but it's also been nerve-wracking because i know that uh I am extremely confident in the book. I think people are going to like it. I know I love it. And that's kind Mm -hmm. of all that matters. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I know there's going to be a day where we look back on it and go, holy shit. Yeah. yeah. So that moment, just knowing that moment's coming and preparing for that moment, I think is all we can really do. But right now I'm really happy with where it's at. Uh, And this le- but this level of confidence, I would say, like we were just saying earlier, didn't click until our our collaboration stuff really clicked. Yep. I think, which was again two, three Last months week. ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was like the the latest round of writing the second issue of the book. Like we were pretty unified on what issue one is supposed to be. Yeah, it's been there yeah. since the beginning. But then the rest of the series was happening and we were like, oh, fuck. So we were back on the drawing board of that stuff. And I was so back and forth on what I wanted from the book and what needed to happen. And mm-hmm. and then finally we fucking figured it out. And since then, we have been able to just like fly through drafts. Mm. It's crazy. Yeah. We're like, it's starting yeah. to get concerning yeah. because we're like, <laughs> I'm like, it got so much easier. What's going on? Is, no, I is mean, the I writing think that, worse? Uh, I think I think that's natural, though. I think, right. you know, mm-hmm. so much of of start, you know, the hardest part of a book is starting the book and like right. learning who the characters are, what the world is, what the rule is and, and what your role in it is. And like once those things are locked, like, you know, they're they're, you know, I remember when I was working on The Punisher and I was, you know, 
20 something issues in mm-hmm. and I was just like, yeah, I can write one of these in two days. Like I know yeah. what it is. Mm-hmm. I know what he does. Like I, yeah. I know the rules. I know where he has to get. And it's mm-hmm. not that I'm putting less care and love into it. It's right. just a lot of the work has been done. Like a lot yeah. of the work was in the first months of sitting there, right. pulling my hair out, sweating, staring at a blank screen, being like, I don't fucking understand right. who, who he is. And once you're past that, I think there's a lot of, yeah, it can feel like you're on cruise control and that can feel yeah. scary that you're not giving things the attention. But the fact of the matter is like that attention was given months ago. Right. Mm-hmm. We, we had to make a conscious decision to shift the way that we were approaching it. Like, I, I was really excited to get Colin and Jackson on here because like mm-hmm. there, there are so few duos uh, in the sure. industry. And like, I was excited to hear, what they had to say about sharing the process. Cause it's, it's so weird. It's so sure. weird, especially when you're trying to do something original and something that really means something to you, like sharing yeah. that and trying to make sure that it really like resonates for both mm-hmm. of you is a very strange thing. Um, and it's a, it's a really interesting push and pull. Um, especially when, as Griffin said, like we do, we do have different approaches. Like we'll, we'll come to each other with quite different angles and have to like talk for a long time to figure out where that intersects. Um, but we kind of had to make a conscious decision of leaning into the areas that we enjoy more and the areas that we like, um, that, that we feel are our strengths and kind of allowing ourselves to have kind of ownership of different areas. And so, and so we can kind of come together and negotiate between those areas. And like, um, yeah, it was, it's so interesting because it really was just that. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, it's not pulling teeth anymore. It's, yeah. it's, it's so interesting. And I think that's, I, I, I would hope people, maybe somebody would need to hear that because like because it's not it it sucks the idea of like trying to as bendis was just saying in the stuff that we were releasing on the jinx world Substack, like he's like make stuff with your friends and you should absolutely make stuff with your friends Mm -hmm. um and and if it's painful there may be a reason but maybe that's not like don't do it maybe it's just like you got to figure out what you want from this like you know what i mean and how to how to both have what you want yeah well it's not like it's not exactly like riding a tandem bicycle where there's two seats two sets of pedals and two hand right it's like two people trying to to ride ride one bike bike. yeah 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 Yeah, Yeah. it's super fair uh i remember you know talking about the stuff that you know the stuff that's painful. that is what it is it's like you're pedaling and i'm steering um yeah the you guys should do that regularly you should make that your i think bit. it sounds like a really efficient way to get around and you should expect us to roll up to new york comic-con like that i was about to say that'll be a promotional thing we do for new york comic-con i won't yeah, see yeah. it because i will leave town but it sounds awesome yeah <laughs> um, we could keep the bike at your house yeah i have a bike you can borrow my bike don't okay. actually no you're gonna crash it so don't borrow okay. my bike yeah. the uh no, I you know you, you talk about sort of the 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 awkwardness and the pulling teeth, and I think it I mm. think that I think that's true of a single you know I've written I've co-written a ton of projects, um, you know, and I've been blessed with great co-writers, and mm-hmm. I've written a lot of stuff solo, and um, you know the the thing I always think of, I, I I sort of have a a quote that sort of rattles around in my brain that I'm going to get wrong, but I, years ago. Um, I used to like voraciously try and consume like the chance to hear writers I love talk about writing and and just right. like you know read read interviews and and read read their essays and and whatever and there was a panel that was on writing at New York Comic Con 
and it was Grant Morrison and Brian K. Vaughn talking mm. about writing. And I, what uh, do they know? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, well, I'll give these these new guys a shot and see what they. Have <laughs> yeah. to say. Uh, but it was interesting because, um, and I could be wrong here. Uh, I feel like the there was an interesting divide in the room because um there were people who were like very big grant fans and there were people who were very big vaughn fans and like Mm -hmm. i'm a big fan of both but it became very clear to me as they talked and it is very clear to me in their writing too that Mm -hmm. one of them i relate to more and that's (laughs) right like i i i love the, the there's there's two things I love in writing and it's seeing stuff that I could never do. Right. And seeing stuff that I wish I could do, but it's just better. Like it's right. just what right. I do, but better. And mm-hmm. like Grant does stuff that I could never do. And I would never try. Right. It. Yeah. No, exactly. And then yeah. Brian K. Vaughn does tells the stories that I wish I was telling, but I'm not good enough to tell. <laughs> and like, it, it was interesting, but people kept asking questions to them about process and these things. And their answers were like, everything was like a choose your own adventure where I was like, I'm, I'm going to go with Brian on this. I'm right. like, and I just right. felt that. And you could see the audience do the other. And like, uh, someone was like, you know, I'm a writer and I have all this, like I have writer's block. Like, mm-hmm. what do I do? And Grant said, and I'm going to paraphrase and butcher them because they're both great speakers and very eloquent. Yes. And, you know, but Grant basically was like, said some version of, I've never had writer's block. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I sit down in front of a computer. I, I, I lose myself. I open up my mind and basically like it explodes onto a page. And later I come back and find out what I've made. And mm-hmm. I, and like the mm-hmm. audience loved it. And the audience mm-hmm. was like, so in love with that answer. And I was like, that doesn't help me. <laughs> Yeah. Like that how, do you, how do you avoid writer's block? I don't. I'm a god. I'm a being from another universe. I don't know what that yeah. is. And then yeah. Brian was like, um, he's like, well, here's the thing. People talk about writer's block as if it's an obstacle to writing. He was like, it's not an obstacle to writing. It's part of writing. Yeah. And he was like, it, writing is your job. Jobs have hard parts and easy parts. And like, Mm -hmm. he was like, building a building is magnificent, but carrying bags of concrete on your shoulders sucks. That Mm -hmm. like construction workers don't call that building, you know, like it's not an obstacle to building. It's the hard part of the job. And like, Mm -hmm. I, I, and, and, and that, and, you know, he talked about like, you know, I, I, I remove myself from a bit. If I'm stuck on something, I, I let my brain go to a different mode. I take a shower, I go for a run, whatever he said. And I, you know, that advice is very good advice, but I was sort of in love with this idea that like, uh, when the job is easy, you assume that the other parts of the job aren't the job. They're an obstacle to the job, but it's like, no, the job has easy parts and hard parts. And that's, that's just the shitty, the shitty nature of all things that there's good parts and bad parts to them. And uh, that has really given me like, you know, I've had a lot of 4am, 5am staring at a blank page, like freaking out where I think if I didn't have that in my head of, of like, well, this is part of it. Like, this is the tax on being a writer. This is the toll. Right. And so when mm-hmm. you guys talk about the struggle you have of like mm-hmm. figuring out your dynamic, it's like, it's fascinating to me because I, I don't know. I feel like you need that. I feel like that's part right. of it. I feel like right. that's, if you're not doing that, 
it's not honest and there's no point in co-writing mm-hmm. um there's mm-hmm. no point in both of you doing the thing if you're like yeah we just came from the same place one of you should just sit back and right. be like i'm just gonna yeah. read his book that's my buddy right yeah no yeah for sure um yeah it, and, and, it's not like we ever like sat back and we're like well we're gonna take a fucking uh, oddly uh, a weird route to fucking get to our the conclusion right. of how our process works we're gonna take it like a a, a weird convoluted way of getting there uh or whatever uh when there might have been like an easier way if there was like a fucking bridge just over there to the fucking point where we're at now it's just like mm-hmm. we took the only route there was it's not like there was fucking yeah, right. different ways we could have gone about it there was only the way that we did it because right and zooming out from it, it it's like, like it's like that process was us figuring out like who like who we are as writers and what and what we like to write yeah. and why and then like and then figuring out how to give each other the space to do yeah. that i think well figuring you know, out the individual yeah. stuff at the same time as figuring out right. the duo stuff which is yeah. just like oh, it's weird that's, yeah that's like one of the hard parts that's tricky. And, sure and i do at the writer's block thing i like believe it or not i also would relate more to the brian k vaughn one because it's like yeah i think there's the thinky parts and there's the typey parts and like the and if there's like a block that for me at least like yeah the typing parts is the easy parts to me because it's like yeah it's coming out i'm typing it but like if i'm stuck and i can't get past something it's gonna come into my brain later while i'm doing something else yeah um like yeah it's like really it's like trying to pull fucking like bread out of the oven before it's done where it's like (laughs) The bread is baking. You have to wait for it to be ready, and then you can pull it out and, yeah. and enjoy it. it where it's the, like my the same favorite thing about ideas. Idea. Yeah, my favorite ideas have come while I was working like a menial job, like well, like sure. like like so many book ideas that like we are developing and trying to make happen. Like I was like a cashier during it, or like or something like that. And it's like because my brain is escaping, and it's mm-hmm. like doing that process while my yeah. body's doing something else. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know if I've told this anecdote on here and it's not totally germane, but uh, I, I, I used to believe that like when I was going to sleep, mm-hmm. my brain would start racing with ideas and I would be half asleep and they'd be great and I wouldn't remember them in the morning mm-hmm. or like I'd wake up, I'd fall asleep and then jerk awake with a, a, a start and, and be like, that was a good idea. And so I put a notepad, I got a notepad to write down my ideas and it, nothing came for a little while. And then uh, one night I was like, oh, wait, that's good. Write it down. And I wrote it down. And the next day, I didn't remember at first that I'd done it. And then, like, I had lunch. And I was like, oh, wait, I had a really good idea for a story last night. And I went to the notebook and I opened it on the first page of the notebook. It just, in really messy handwriting, it said, story about a conflict. <laughs> and that, oh my god it's the opposite of the story that you tried to write with no conflict yeah and it was just uh uh that was it that was what i came up with and i was I've like, tried to do genius, that before man. it's really yeah. good and i i yeah. uh i but, will say however because you know i'm not trying to say anything but like all my best ideas do come to me when i'm about to fall asleep and i just type them down into my notes app you know i got notes must on be notes. nice uh-huh must be nice, uh-huh. must be nice. Um, I have to be like I have to be like plunging a toilet apparently for all my best ideas. <laughs> Dude, no, laying in bed, showering, <laughs> driving, yeah. any time that I can like have the space to just 
disappear. Mm-hmm. I actually, is when I'm just like, yeah, there it is. I, I Literally, a, the pitch we're working on now came while I was folding laundry. It has to be a menial thing. I, I don't know what it I is. I mean, that makes sense. Your brain goes yeah. to a different place. Yeah. I, I get a lot of my best ideas, and it's funny because in the past few years, I've had a lot of times where I'm like, I don't feel like I'm coming up with as much stuff. And it took mm-hmm. me a long time to realize that like a lot of my best ideas come from like sitting down and listening to an album or right. like being in a museum and looking at art or mm-hmm. like watching six movies in a in a weekend yeah. and just like yeah. being around art makes and i'm not like oh i just watched indiana jones i have an idea for a fucking <laughs> archaeologist <laughs> adventure <laughs> but just like having your brain on that level like music is such yeah. a big thing for me because like i'll hear a song and it and it makes me feel something yeah. and my brain will be like how do you make someone feel that right. same thing how do i kind of elevates you a little bit yeah, yeah. yeah uh we had a nice pee break we're back from pee yeah. break mm-hmm. two out of oh, three yeah. of us peed uh mm-hmm. we'll let the fans guess who and <laughs> uh i don't think I, I feel like that covers everything guys i i just want to say you know and i do this as you know when you sent me the book i was mm-hmm. nervous uh-huh. uh because we work together mm-hmm. and we're, we're buddies and it's hard if that you know like i have i have friends whose stuff i love i have friends whose stuff i i think it's fine it's not for me it's fine whatever but you know that and you guys are someone i have to talk with every week and, <laughs> and we're looking for feedback and i was really like this is gonna be rough if this sucks like this is mm-hmm. gonna be either a really awkward conversation for or... you <laughs> yeah it's either, it's either i'm either gonna say some shit that's gonna bum you guys out and you're just gonna have to yeah, bear yeah. with that or i'm gonna lie which is fine <laughs> um uh-huh. but i was really really excited to actually really enjoy the book and really uh-huh. love it and then i knew and i was like maybe i just like it because i uh i like them and then i was like no i'm annoyed that i'm getting it in the production stage because i can't even read it monthly like i get annoyed at single issues <laughs> taking a month between issues like but i was you guys were like well you know we're starting on the second issue now and i was like oh you're fucking two months before I get it. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I, and so that's how i know i really was invested and really loved that's it awesome. and um i know you guys are probably really nervous about it and really excited and mm. anxious and all those things rolled up and whatever but I just want to say, like, congratulations on it. It is really, oh. like, an impressive debut. It is a very fun and engaging book, and I think people are really going to love it. And I'm very excited and sort of honored to be able to sit on the sidelines and watch that happen for you guys. And so, Thanks so much, man. Really appreciate it. And your feedback, like, meant the world to us, and it really helped us feel more like, okay, all right, we're go- we are going up to bed. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Matthew Rosenberg yeah. likes it. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. And if we ever find out that you lied, it's not going to be like, oh, my God, I'm so devastated Matt yeah. lied to us. It's going to be I'm mostly going to be pissed. Sure. Yeah. Just yeah, yeah. I, need, I need to make the book better. Come yeah. When it's, you... If it sells zero copies, we're going to be like, but Matt said something's yeah. not lining up here. Matt yeah. said people would love it. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> he is the arbiter of taste for the whole yeah. world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anyway, I'm I'm excited for it to come out, and I'm honored to have you guys uh, as my illustrious co-host most of the time. But also, I'm honored to be your first interview oh, yeah. for the book. So, thank you guys so much for taking the time to come and hang out. As always, Thanks, man. Thank bye, you, bye, <laughs> bye. 
And that brings us to the end of part two of Matt's discussion with Ethan S. Parker and Griffin Sheridan. Make sure to get to your local comic shop today to pre-order your copy of Kill Your Darlings number one. Add it to your pull list and subscribe to klcpress.com for all the updates on this and future projects. To get the latest episodes of this podcast, as well as news, giveaways, and even comics delivered straight to your inbox, go to ashcanpress.com and sign up for the newsletter. We'll be back next week with another wonderful guest. And in the meantime, you can write to us at ideasdontbleedpod at gmail.com or tweet to Matthew Rosenberg at Ashcan Press on Twitter, me at Tales to Astonish, or Griffin at Griff Sheridan. We'll include some of your correspondence on the show, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. And big thanks to Summer People for our theme song, Where's the Poison? Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.